you know, as we were singing those songs, and even the, the scripture that Macy shared, I promise you before you hear my message today, we didn't collaborate on this. Um, but what she said really spoke to what I'm going to speak about today. And um, those songs just uh, cornerstone, Christ alone. Um, and and those, those, just those words of that song just ring so true, um, especially during those times that are difficult or hard. Um, and so I'm going to speak a little bit of that today. What that D-Now video didn't show you uh, was how much coffee it took for us to be awake uh, and then the lack of sleep that we had as a result of playing too much gaga ball. And a few shirts that had to be changed because we sweat a lot playing that game. Uh, that was a great weekend. It was, it was cool to have uh, Matt here on Sunday morning and, and to speak to you guys. It's a rare occasion when um, in the field that we're in, being um, on staff at different places, it's hard for us to be able to get to the opportunity to hear one of, an, another one of our co-laborers get to, get to speak. And so to be able to be here when, when Matt really shared about um, a passage that sits real close to my heart because God has shown me a lot of things through that um, in Joshua 3. And so um, I'm going to continue a little bit about that um, this morning. Um, I told Ridge when he asked me if I would speak today, I told him, I said, yes, of course, I'd love to. I can't wait. Uh, because Ridge gets to get up here every week and tell you how much he loves you, and I don't get that opportunity. So I'm going to tell you, I love you. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, you're here this morning. I'm thankful to be a part of this body. You know, as, as Feed My Sheep comes up Saturday, and we had Good News Club on Friday, um, just to see how this church body serves the community is something that's so special. And we've had the opportunity the last few weeks to share with those students at Ray Allen Elementary, and it's been um, just a treat. Uh, even when they have a ton of energy like they did on Friday. Right, Joel? <laughs> Amen. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump right in. But Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to gather here this morning, Father, for the opportunity that we have to, uh, to worship together. Father, to sing praises to your name. Father, we know that there is a lot going on um, within this body, Father. There's a lot that goes on each day. Uh, Father, I pray that um, we look for the opportunity to see you in it, Father, that we look for your faithfulness, for your grace, Father, for your mercy that, um, as we're going to read today, renews every day. Uh, Father, I thank you for um, sending your son to die on the cross for us, Father, when, um, when we didn't deserve it. Uh, Father, I pray that as we, as we move um, into a time of, of a message, Father, I pray that you're ever-present. Father, that uh, the words that I, that I speak are directly from you, not from me. Uh, Father, and speak to my heart first. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I get the opportunity once a month. Um, on Tuesday nights, once a month, we get to have a worship service with our college students. And um, I spoke to them um, on Tuesday night about love. And I spoke about um, and so I want to share a little bit of that with you tonight because uh, I told them I didn't mean for it to fall the day before Valentine's Day. That was an accident. Um, I didn't forget about Valentine's Day, but I didn't want it to be about that. And, and the reminder that I had for them and, and the reminder I have for you this morning is that God's love is, is bigger than anything that we can imagine. And it's greater than anything that we can experience or do or feel is, is the love of God. And so I want to remind you that this morning um, we're going to be in the book of uh, Lamentations, and if you'll turn with me, we're going to be in, in chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 21 through 26. It's Lamentations 3, 21 through 26. 
before we get into it, we're sharing right now in Good News Club about, um, we got to hear Ridge share um, the story this week of, of Abraham and Isaac. And to see uh, those kids react in the way that which they did with um, a story that is kind of hard to, especially at a young age, to understand or to see, to see them react like, wow, God is big. He is faithful. He does love us. And, and so um, this morning, I'm going to talk about God's great faithfulness um, and, and just what that looks like. And in the face of what we're going to read this morning, I, I want to um, tell you Lamentations is a book, uh, a series of songs and mornings that were written in the backdrop of the Babylonian invasion um, and the destruction of Jerusalem. And so I want us to get a picture of, of what this is before we, before we jump into it. I mean, it's, it's a book that, has, that shows awful um, sufferings endured by people of that city. Um, it shows uh, awful sufferings endured by the people at the hand of their enemies. Okay? Uh, still, even in the midst of all this pain and turmoil, God was in the middle of it. And he put his man, Jeremiah, in the middle of it to record the events, but also, more importantly, to bring honor to his name and to bring glory to his name. The writer of the book is, of Lamentations is, is believed to be Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah went, goes by the nickname uh, the Weeping Prophet um, because we read so much about how much pain he, he endured. A study of his life reveals a portrait of unending sadness and deep depression and before we jump into limitations, I want to give you a background, a little bit of Jeremiah, because I think it's important for us to understand who Jeremiah was, what was going on in his life, um, and, and then read how fascinating the reaction to all of this is. Because Jeremiah faced so much in his life that I think some of us may face at times in our life. And for, to have the response that he has in this book, in the book of Lamentations, in this section of scripture that we're going to read, the response that he has in there is just so great. I want to read um, verses 21 through 26 for you. It says this, it says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So a little bit about Jeremiah. We learn early on in Jeremiah's life, if you look back into the book of Jeremiah, he was called into ministry, something that he didn't want to do. It was an unwanted call for him into ministry. Secondly, he wasn't only called into ministry, he was called to preach only judgment. Think about this. Think about maybe there's been a time in your life where God's called you or asked you to do something that you didn't want to do. That you fought him on it, you fought him on it, you fought him on it. I know there are times like that in my life. Think about those times. And then on top of that, not only was it the job that you didn't want, God added work that you didn't want to do either. That's what we're seeing here in Jeremiah. If you go on further, you read about Jeremiah and the fact that he was forbidden to marry so that he could be more fully committed to ministry. Not only does he have this, this call in his life to preach judgment and this call to be in ministry that he doesn't want to do, but take that a step further, you're going to be on your own and you're going to have to depend on me alone. As a result of this, he was very familiar with loneliness. It was hard for him. It wasn't easy. 
But throughout that time, he continued to focus on the Lord. Here also, he, we, we see in Jeremiah that he was a man of deep sadness and wept openly about the sins of his people. He cared deeply about the people that he was speaking to, the people that he was ministering to, that he was loving on. He cared very deeply about them, and we see that because he, he mourns with them, he hurts with them through their sins and the things that are going on. This is crazy. When I read this, I didn't, I, it was hard for me to believe, but... Um, he endured great depression as a result of his message going unheeded for so long. He even came to a point where he tried to quit ministry. Which is understandable considering that in a span of 50 years of his ministry, there's not one record, there's not a record of even one convert. So not only was he called into ministry and he was called to preach judgment, he didn't even get to see one person come to the Lord because of his preaching. That's a tough life. That's a hard thing. He suffered imprisonment by King Zedekiah because the king didn't approve of Jeremiah's preaching. Of course he didn't. He was talking about his his people about to be destroyed. So he didn't approve of it, so he put him in jail. Even while the Babylonians are invading the the city in fulfillment of his prophetic declarations, he's sitting in a dungeon. And he can't do anything about it. After all of this, after Jerusalem falls and taken captive, we see a picture of the man that Jeremiah is in this. When he sees everything happen that he said was going to happen, of this judgment that he's been preaching in the, in, this, in the city of Jerusalem falling, after all this happens, he doesn't say, I told you so. <laughs> he doesn't sit up there and say, I've been telling you this for 50 years that this was going to happen. No, instead, he becomes broken with them. And he enters into mourning and suffering with them. In, uh, on, on Tuesday night, I had, like I said, I had the opportunity to speak to our students. One of the things that we read through was 1 Corinthians 13 and what Paul said about love. And in that section of Scripture, in that chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, one of the verses says that love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, it rejoices in truth. That was the character of the man of Jeremiah is he wasn't going to rejoice because of the sins that his people had. He wasn't going to bash them over the head and tell them after all of this had already happened, he wasn't going to do that. He was going to sit there with them, and he was going to cry, and he was going to mourn with them. I mean, how is this? I mean, after all of this, after the mourning, after the crying, after the suffering, after the pain, after the life that we see of Jeremiah, after the city that he saw that he loved so much get destroyed— his response was to lift his voice up to God and thank him for his faithfulness to his people. And how is this, I think of, of my life and I think of, how is this even possible? <laughs> all these things that he's faced, all these things that are going on, and yet in the middle of it, when everything gets destroyed and the city that he loves falls, and more, more than likely the ones that he loved, the people that he was so close to, are no longer alive. If they are, they're captured. So they won't be alive for very much longer. In the face of that, after all of it, he praises God for his faithfulness. See, Jeremiah knew that whether things went well or things went bad or wrong, God was still going to be God. He knew that God would be eternally faithful to his people. The first verse that we read, verse 21, says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What he's calling to mind is the faithfulness of God. 
And knowing that God is in control of all of it, whether or not I see him or I hear him, he's right here. He's right next to me. See, Jeremiah was still able to find hope in a hopeless situation because he believed in the faithfulness of God. Jeremiah never lost hope in who God was. He never lost hope in that. I think much like Jeremiah, we go through times, maybe not as bad as this in our lives, but maybe we go through times where we feel like there's no way of getting out of this. God, I don't know what to do next because it's just so much pain and hurt. What do you want me to do? Maybe we feel like there's no way that in the middle of that that we can honor and praise God. But I'm going to encourage you today, look at Jeremiah. Have hope in who God is. Use the example that Jeremiah gave us. Find hope in the middle of trouble because you know God is faithful. I heard it this way. In the middle of trouble, in the middle of times that are difficult or hard, if you took a transcript of your last 20 prayers, what would it look like? Would it be asking for God to end this as fast as possible? Would it be, would it be asking God to get me out of this because I can't endure this anymore? Or would it be, God, continue to show your face in the middle of this? As hard as it is to, to deal with what's going on in this life, God, I pray that I see your face and your faithfulness and your grace and your mercy even more. In, in, in the book that we're reading for challenge, there's a quote in there that Rick Warren has. He says this, Nothing that happens in your life is insignificant. God uses all of it to mold you for the ministry to others and shape you for service to him. See, God is faithful. In this passage that we're going to look at today in, in Lamentations, I want to point out three things um, that I think we can gain confidence from within this passage. That no matter what we're dealing with or what we're going, what our lives are, what we're going through in our lives, we can look at this, at this scripture and see an example of a man that faced a lot of difficult times. Ones that would make you just want to run away and run away from God and lose hope in who he was. Instead, he ran towards God. And he praised him for his faithfulness. So, um, the first thing I want you to, to see in this passage is found in verse 22. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. The first thing that we have to understand is God is faithful in his grace. Amen. He's going to provide it. That word mercies there is translated as loving kindness, which is a word is, that is used over 30 times in the Old Testament. And if you've read the Old Testament, you see why it's needed to be used over 30 times in the Old Testament. Um, because God of the Old Testament is the same God now. Amen. And he hasn't changed. And he's not going to. See, it's a very expressive word, a word that conveys all the ideas of love, grace, and mercy into one. See, Jeremiah seems to be remembering that it was pure grace of God that brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He's looking back. Last week, Matt spoke about Joshua 3, and he went on to talk about the 12 stones that they asked the Israelite, the leaders of each tribe, to go back and get into, so that they can remember God and they can tell the people that come after them, their, their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids, and they can keep it going to say, this is when God showed up. See, that's what Jeremiah is doing, is he's remembering back to the grace that God showed his people when he drove them out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery. It was also grace that kept them a redeemed people in spite of their failures and wanderings. There are a couple of things I want to remind you about this grace that he's speaking of here. And the first thing is this, is his grace saves us. 
Ephesians 2, 1 through 4 says this, and I love it. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then verse 4. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. See, only grace could have reached us in our lost, sinful condition. We could not get to God, so God came to us. He came to us in the form of his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. So when you're in the middle of trouble, remember the, the, the huge amount of grace that God has already given you. And realize that he's, he wants to renew that and do that every single day. The next thing is that we have to understand about this grace that, that Jeremiah is speaking about is this, is his grace secures us. See, grace not only sought us out when we are lost in sin, but it keeps us in our saved condition. We are prone to failure. We're prone to spiritual wandering. And if our salvation was dependent upon our ability to be faithful, none of us would be saved. But it's dependent on his. First Peter says this, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We are saved by his grace and we are kept by that same grace. Thank God for his unchanging, unfailing, faithful, loving grace. The next thing I want you to understand is found in the second part of, of verse 22 and goes into 23. It says, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, God's gift, God is faithful in his gifts. Not only is he faithful in his gifts, but his gifts are faithful. See, God didn't promise an easier road. He promised his grace would be sufficient for the need. Think about Paul and his battle with the thorn in the flesh that we see in 2 Corinthians. See this, this struggle that he's having with what's going on in his life. And here's the answer and the response from the Lord. It says this, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Amen. What a perfect reminder. What a perfect reminder that in, in my weakness, in my broken state, in the worst of my life, in the worst times and moments, he is enough. He's powerful. With this in mind, we should, we should always remember that regardless of what life sends our way, we can be confident in the fact that the Lord will give us the necessary strength to face that time. You'll never face a situation as a, as a believer that God will not give you the grace to help you through it. It's right there. But it's like I said a minute ago, what are we praying for? Just to get me out of this? There's, a, there's a, a four things I want to talk about about gifts. When we talk about the gifts that God gives us and, and talking about how faithful they are. And the first thing is, is this, is God gifts us with his presence. Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave you or abandon you. Never. Never. That's a word we can't say. But that's a word he can say. Because he means it. See, this verse along with others reveal the great truth of that God is always present with his children. Even when we can't hear him or we can't see him, he's right there with us. 
The next thing he gifts us with is the gift of his performance. Ephesians 3 tells us, now to him who is able. This verse is to be taken at face value, and, and I believe, I think it is. It becomes plain that our God is greater by far than any problem or anything that we'll face. That he's able to deal with it in much better way than we are. The next thing is the gift of his provision. Philippians 4 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, when I read that verse, I want to hear, God's going to provide all my wants. But that's not what it says. It's not what it says. It says, this verse shows us that God's going to supply for our needs, not our wants. So we need to remember that God has our best in mind. He's interested in meeting our needs in his time. And the last thing that God gifts us with, and this is just, this is just what I've come up with, not, there's plenty more about this, but he gifts us with his person. Malachi 3, 6 tells us, because I, the Lord, have not changed, you descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. This reveals the nature of God, that he is reliable at all times, that he's the same today as he has been forever, as he will be forever, that he hasn't changed, that he stayed the same God is a trustworthy God. Amen. See, God's gifts are not only faithful, but they're fresh. It tells us there, it says, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. According to this verse, the grace of God is as fresh as the new day. Just as the new day brings with it its own sets of burdens and problems, so does God's grace every single day. God's faithfulness is seen as the fact that we woke up this morning, that we took a breath, that we got in our car, that we came here, that we're sitting here with our church family. See, God is faithful, and he's a wonderful Lord. The last thing I want us to understand about God's faithfulness is found in verses 24 through 26. It says this, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I, I will have hope. I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The word good there has the idea of pleasant, agreeable, excellent. It refers to the character of God. This word reminds us that God is ever engaged in what his people are doing. That he's not just sitting back and just saying, well, I hope they figure it out. No, he's, ever, he's walking with you, wanting you to see him in it, in everything that he's doing. See, this attitude that Jeremiah has to be able to say this, that we talked about after all that he's faced in his life, to be able to say this took years and years of time with the Father in order to do this. I'm not going to stand up here and say that you walk out of here and you're completely different, and next time something hard happens to you, that you lean directly only on the faithfulness of God. It takes time. Who watches the Olympics? Oh, I love them. I, I never think about the Olympics till they come, and then it's like, oh, I love the Olympics. Why didn't I think about that? But, see, these Olympic athletes didn't just start training a week before and jump into and, and win gold medals and do these crazy things that they're doing. No, it's a whole life of preparation leading up to that moment. See, Jeremiah lived a life that honored and glorified the Lord, and he looked for the God in everything that he did. Which is why when the toughest thing that happened to him, to him in his life, yes, he had a hard call, 
And yes, he was supposed to preach judgment only. And yes, he had to do it alone. But the hardest thing that ever happened to him was what he was preaching about came true. So in the toughest moment of his life, he looks back at the years and years and years of God being faithful to show him that, God, you are gifting me through this. You are doing these things for me. See, what verse 24 reveals to us is this, that God is a satisfier. See, God is described as the soul's portion right here by Jeremiah. It says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. That term portion, that, that term is, is referred to, is used in battle, referring to the spoils of war. See, Jeremiah's life was a battle, so is ours. But he didn't look to come out unscarred. He didn't look to come out unbroken or unhurt. He looked to come out to see the Lord, and that was enough for him. His spoil of war, his portion, what he receives is the Lord, and that's good enough. When we view the Lord in this way, he will be all we need to be satisfied in life. Verse 24 and 25 also reveal to us that God is a sustainer. It says, therefore I will have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, God will never fail those who place trust, their trust in him. Not a single one of his promises that he has ever given will fail to be honored by him. If you look back in the Old Testament, you'll see the first five books of the, of the, of the, of the Bible are littered with covenants with, by God to people. See, God was going to come through on his end. And he's never made a promise that he didn't plan on coming through in. It's us. It's us that don't do that. It's not him. He will sustain you through this life and into eternity. And the last thing that we see in verse 26 is this. As we consider how good, how God is so faithful to us. And how good, how faithful he is in his goodness, we see this. If you don't hear anything that I say today, hear this. Verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God is a Savior. In this context, what Jeremiah is saying is, is this. Those who wait upon the Lord will, in God's time, in God's time, see him bring them out of the valley. I want to remind you that, once again, that God knows right where you are today. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're thinking. He knows how hard it is but he's waiting right there for you to take you out of that valley. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come to him. Come to him. He's waiting for you. Call on him for your salvation. As we get ready to close out in a minute and and the band comes back up, we've come to a time of response. It's up to you. I can't do it for you. I can't say enough words to make this happen in you. It's got to stir in your heart. It's got to be a decision you make to be different and walk out of here changed. Because everyone in here is dealing with something in their life. And we may think that I can hide it for long enough to where the people that I don't want to see it don't have to see it. I can hide it for long enough to say, hey, they don't, if they never see it in me, they still see me as the person I am. But God knows. And we're here this morning to deal with what God has for us to deal with.
Whatever God is asking you to do, I pray that you'll have the boldness to deal with it. Whatever battle you're facing in this moment, use the opportunity to give it to God because here's the deal. He wants to, he wants to take it from you. He wants to take that. He wants to carry it. I heard this week and I shared with the students, one of the things I heard was, was as preparing for this and, and kind of preparing and just reading on my own, one of the things I, I read was, was this, is that um, while we're here on earth, while we're dealing with pain, while we're dealing with struggle and hurt and grief, use this opportunity now to give that gift to God. Because there's going to be a time when you can't do that anymore. Because when you stand next to him in heaven, there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more hurt. There's no more grief. There's no more of that. So use the opportunity that you have while you're on this earth to give that to him. Great is the faith that can stand amid the wreckage of life and declare the praises of God. See, Jeremiah was this kind of believer. That no matter what he faced, he just wanted to see the face of God even more. And he wanted God to reveal even more of himself to him. him. 